All right, praises be to our loving Abba. We are gathered once again to study his words. We're going to answer just one question today, but it might be a little lengthy because it's so involved and it's, it's so filled with information. And I do believe it will benefit all of us to deepen our understanding concerning the work of the assembly of Yahusha. So the one question we're going to be answering is, how is the work of the assembly of Yahusha and the work of the two witnesses connected? And this question came about by one of our viewers who sent the following question. Uh, good AM for Brother John. Tinatanong po ni Tatay kung paano daw uh, po maiuugnay sa dalawang saksi ang assembly of Yahusha. Kikilalanin daw ba ng dalawang saksi ang assembly? So the translation in English is, Good morning, Brother John. My father is asking how the two witnesses is connected uh, to the assembly of Yahusha. Will the two witnesses recognize the assembly? So that's the question we're going to be answering in this episode of the BQA. So let's go ahead and begin by asking, what is the purpose of the two witnesses? Revelation 11 verse 3, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And so that's the purpose of the two witnesses, to prophesy or to preach the message of Yahuwah and Yahushua, because they are called two witnesses, the message or the prophecy, the preaching content that they will deliver will be to testify to Yahuwah and Yahushua, because when they will testify about Yahushua, what they basically will do is give evidence that Yahushua is the Son of God, the Savior of mankind. So they are going to be commissioned to preach all about Yahuwah and to point people to Yahushua that people can belong to Yahuwah, our Creator. So that's the purpose of the function of the two witnesses. Now, how is this related uh, to the assembly of Yahushua? We read Revelation 11, uh, verse 3, and which says that I will give power to my two witnesses. What is also the function of the two witnesses in preaching or prophesying or proclaiming all about Yahusha? We read verse 3. Let's read what it says in verse 1 to get the context. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. And so we know the work of the two witnesses is for the benefit of the temple of God mentioned here in Revelation 11.1. 1. This is why the Bible says, I will give you, right? I will give you power, give the two witnesses power so that their preaching will directly benefit the kingdom or the temple of God in 11 verse 1. This is why we need to identify the identity of this temple of God mentioned in Revelation 11.1. 1. We know this cannot be the physical temple. Why? Because when Apostle John was writing this, this will take place prior to the end of the age. And so these are the latter days. And in the, latter, in the latter days, there will no longer be a physical a temple. It was destroyed in 70 AD. The third temple that will be built, that's no longer of Yahuwah God. 
and the two witnesses have no involvement with that. However, this temple of God that is to be measured, this is what is associated with the work of the two witnesses. This is why we want to identify the temple of God. We know it's not the physical temple. And so if it's not the physical temple, which is the temple of God that we find in Revelation 11 and the verse is one. We'll look at the clues and then we will come up with a conclusion. Let's read the book of First Peter chapter 2, 5 to 7. Come as living stones and let yourselves be used in building the spiritual temple where you will serve as holy priests to offer spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God through Yahusha Christ. If it's not the physical temple that Revelation 11, 1 is talking about, and what is it talking about? It is a spiritual uh, temple. It's a temple that is not physical, hence spiritual temple. Now, what does it mean? It is a spiritual temple. Second Corinthians 6 and the verses 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And so why is it called a spiritual temple? Because this temple is going to be composed not of stones and brick. It's going to be composed of what? People. The people of Yahuwah. The people of Yahuwah, Yahuwah taken as a whole, represent the temple of the living God. And how else does Apostle Paul describe the nature of this temple? Let's read the book of Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Surely you know that you were God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys God's temple. For God's temple is holy and you yourselves are his temple. How does Apostle Paul further describe this temple, this spiritual temple the Bible speaks about? It is holy. In other words, it's set apart by Yahuwah. And then Apostle Paul says, you yourselves are his temple. And so the temple in Revelation 11.1 1, is not a physical temple. It is a spiritual temple. It is the ecclesia. What is the most correct translation of ecclesia? It is the assembly. And so it is a spiritual temple, an assembly of followers who follow our King Yahusha and who belong to Yahuwah, our God, because they have become the people of God through Yahusha. And so how else, however, can we identify this spiritual temple? We know it's the, an assembly of people, an ecclesia, but what else are the characteristics of this temple? Well, what we know concerning the temple of God is what was stated in Second Chronicles. My eyes will be open and my ears will pay attention to those uh, prayers at this place. I have chosen and declared this temple holy so that my name may be placed there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. And so this temple that the Bible speaks of will always have the name of Yahuwah, our 
gone. And so one of the ways by which we will be able to identify this ecclesia, this assembly of God's people, is that they will be identified with the name that comes from Yahuwah, our God. What name is that? According to the apostles, both the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter, when they were speaking about this spiritual temple, not the physical temple, okay? Second Chronicles is about the physical temple. First Corinthians is about the spiritual temple. But in the same way, the physical temple had the name of Yahuwah, right? The spiritual temple will also bear the name that comes from Yahuwah God. What could that name be? Well, for us to find out, we need to first identify something that is fundamental to this temple. Without this, this cannot be the spiritual temple of God. What is that? Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with, saint, with the saints, members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Yahusha Christ himself being the chief, the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And so what is the identifying mark of the temple of God, the spiritual temple of God? The apostle Paul says this temple is built upon a chief cornerstone or foundation stone what is or who is that chief foundation stone who is it yahusha and so if there's an assembly of people an ecclesia but the foundation stone the chief cornerstone is not our king yahusha and that's not the spiritual temple being spoken of in revelation 11 verse 1 right it is built upon yahusha our king, not simply a collection of people, not simply a collection of people who follow, but they're built upon the foundation who is our king, Yahusha. Can there be any other foundation? Can it be replaced? Let's read Corinthians 3, 11, 16 to 17. For God has already placed Yahusha Christ as the one and only foundation, and no other foundation can be laid. Surely you know that you were God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys God's temple. For God's temple is holy and you yourselves are his temple. So this spiritual temple has only one foundation and it cannot be replaced. It cannot have any other foundation except that which has already been laid, which is our king, Yahusha HaMashiach. How about Apostle Peter? How does he describe the foundation of this spiritual temple? Let's read 1 Peter 2, 5 to 7. Come as living stones and let yourselves be used in building the spiritual temple, where you will serve as holy priests to offer spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God through Yahushua Christ. For the scripture says, I chose a valuable stone, which I am placing as the cornerstone in Zion. And so Apostle Peter, just like Apostle Paul confirms that this assembly, this ecclesia, this spiritual temple has one great identifying mark. It's built upon who? Yahusha. 
And so one might say, well, how can we know if we identify if Yahusha, our king, is the foundation stone? How will we know that? Let's read the book of Acts 4, 10 to 12, because there may be those who may be claiming, yeah, we believe that Yahusha is our foundation stone. We believe he is our chief cornerstone. But who are those who end up rejecting Yahusha as their chief foundation stone, even if they profess that he is their foundation stone? Let's read the book of Acts 4, 10 to 12. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yahusha Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How can we accept, not reject, okay, but accept that Yahushua is our chief cornerstone, our foundation stone? Bible says by accepting what? The name. In other words, this spiritual temple, this ecclesia or assembly of God's people are identified by the name of Yahushua. Why the name of Yahushua? It's the only name given by which we are to be saved. This is why when Yahushua was speaking about his name, what did he say about his name? It's the name that my father has given me, which is also his name because the name of Yahuwah is also in the name of Yahushua. This is why in the spiritual temple that Revelation 11 is speaking about, it will bear the name of Yahushua. This is the reason why we registered, right, as the assembly of Yahushua because that name Yahushua is so fundamental. We must give it preeminence. We must not use the name of Yahusha as a DOA or DBA, right? Not DOA. What is DBA? Doing business as. You are desecrating the name of Yahusha. No, it must be at the forefront. It's the foundation. Yahusha is the foundation. This is why he must be the one that identifies us. His name, assembly of Yahusha. Are we surprised that during our time, there will be those who will be called by the name that Yahuwah God has created for himself. Let's read Isaiah 43, 5 to 7. Do not be afraid because I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up and to the south, do not keep them. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Bring everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And so the people of Yahuwah God, the spiritual temple today, identified in Revelation 11.1, 1, must bear officially the name of our king, Yahushua. And so we have two, two um, identifying marks so far. Number one, it's a spiritual temple, not a physical temple. Number two, it's called by the name of Yahusha, right? What else? How else can we recognize this temple in Revelation 11.1? 1? Revelation 11.1 1 says, And I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise 
and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. Here in Revelation 11.1, 1, the Bible speaks of measuring, right? When we measure something, what are we doing? We are evaluating something, comparing it to a standard. And then when we compare it to a standard, we make adjustments. So the purpose of measuring or evaluating or judging is for the purpose of progress or restoration. You get it? It's for the purpose of restoration. This is why you measure something. And so the temple of God, what is that again? That's the assembly as a whole. It must be measured. What else? The altar must be measured. What does the altar represent? The altar of incense that represents worship dedicated to Yahuwah God. And so the worship that we conduct must also be evaluated. What else? And those who worship there, the individual worshipers must also be measured according to a certain standard, right? And so the measure, uh, the instruction is to measure the assembly using a standard. What is the purpose of measuring? And what is that standard? What is our, what is our goal that we need to achieve? Let's read the book of 1 Peter 4, 17 to 18. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. What is the house of God again? That's the spiritual temple. And so it has to be judged. It has to be measured. It has to be evaluated. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And so what is the meaning of measuring the temple? We must measure the house of God by judging it against a standard to determine if they are righteous or not. And so there's a standard that we must compare ourselves to. There's a standard that we ought to follow. What is that standard? Ephesians 4.13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how can we, or what is that measure? What is that standard that we must meet? Those who belong to the household of God or the spiritual temple that bear the name of Yahusha. They must meet the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, those who belong to the spiritual temple mentioned in Revelation 11.1. 1, what is their goal? That they grow to become more and more mature, right? To become more and more like who? Christ. Because they have to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so we need to progress in our spiritual growth and maturity. Well, how can we become more and more like Christ? How can we do that? Right? How can we become like him? Well, we got to ask ourselves, what did our King Yahusha accomplish? What did he complete, which we too must fulfill? Well, let's read the book of Matthew 5, 17 to 20. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Want to pause there for a while? Who is the one speaking here? Who's the one speaking? Yahusha. He's teaching us the standard, right? The standard he followed, okay? And the standard he wants us to follow 
so that we can be full in him. What is that? He says, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till the heaven, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what is the standard given by our King Yahusha that we must fulfill so that we can meet the full measure of our king? Well, what did our king do completely and perfectly? The laws and the prophets, right? And now after our King Yahushua has completed fulfilling the law and the prophets, does it mean we are no longer called to do that? That's not what our King Yahushua says, right? You have to keep in mind when we were baptized into the body of our King Yahushua, the accomplishment of Yahushua, when he completed the laws and the prophets, it's imputed to us. The righteousness of our King has been imputed to us. However, it doesn't mean that we are no longer to follow the law. As a matter of fact, when we were baptized into the body of Yahushua, we now receive the spirit that will enable us and empower us to fulfill the law. This is why our membership in the body of Yahushua is given to us so that we can obey the law, not so that we can dispose of the law. This is why for us to grow we need to have a standard, and the standard given to us by our King Yahusha are the laws and the prophets. This is why we must teach it. We must not teach people not to obey it, because those who teach people not to obey it and who say the law is already void, they're least in the kingdom of heaven. But those who teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Yahusha is telling us the standard, right? If we want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, we have to obey the law. And so it's the purpose of the law is so that we know what to obey to become like Yahusha the Christ. So that our righteousness can be well established through our king, Yahusha. And so one of the identifying marks of that uh, temple of God, a spiritual temple, is that they will restore and proclaim the law and the prophets. And so when we look at the first three so far, it pretty much identifies the assembly of Yahushua, does it not? Right? It's a spiritual temple, an ecclesia assembly. It's officially called by the name of Yahushua, assembly of Yahushua, right? It restores and proclaims the law and the prophets. We are in the process of restoring the law and the prophets because so much of Christendom has told us get rid of the law. We don't need the law. The law is void. This is why they don't need to call the name of Yahuwah by his personal name. And this is why there's no need to observe the Sabbath. And so lots of the, the Christendom today, so-called Christians, they have rejected the law. They have rejected the Ten Commandments. However, the Bible says that we need to measure it. In other words, we need to give it the proper standard back. And that includes the law and the prophets. How else can we recognize the temple of God in Revelation 11.1? 1? 
Let's go back to Revelation 11.1. 1. Take note. Someone is instructed to measure, right? To measure the temple of God. Can we find this instruction in another passage of the Bible? Yes. We're going to read the book of Zechariah. And I'm going to tell you right now, okay? And I want you to keep this in mind. The key, the key in understanding the work of the assembly and the work of the two witnesses, okay, is the book of Zechariah, okay? If you want to understand Revelation 11, if you want to understand uh, the two witnesses and the assembly, we must go to the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 2, 1 down to 2, this is what it says. Then I raised my eyes and looked and behold, a man. It doesn't identify who the man is. It just says a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me to measure Jerusalem to see what is its width and what is its length. And so here we have an instruction, which is pretty similar, right? To Revelation 11. In Revelation 11, the temple of God is to be measured. Here in Zechariah, Jerusalem is to be measured. Why is Jerusalem it to be measured? What is the purpose behind this? Well, Zechariah, the prophet, um, his contemporary, contemporaries was Ezra. And Ezra belonged during a time after the Babylonian captivity. Do you remember what happened to Israel and to Judah? They were both um, exiled, right? The temple was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. The Babylonian captivity lasted for how many years? Seven years. Eventually, Cyrus the Great came and liberated the people of Israel. They could go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city, to rebuild the temple, right? Who were among the first to return. Let's read the book of Ezra 9.15. Oh, Yahuwah, God of Israel, you are righteous, for we are left as a remnant, as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. And so when the people of Yahuwah Abba, who were exiled in Babylon, were given the opportunity to return to rebuild the temple, how many returned? Only a remnant, right? This is why it was a big challenge to rebuild the temple of Yahuwah, our God. Take note, the, the one being spoken about here is the physical temple. The one in Revelation 11 is the spiritual temple. I just want to show you the parallels, okay, between Ezra, Zechariah, and Revelation chapter 11. And so there was a remnant left that went back to Jerusalem whose intent was to rebuild the physical temple of Yahuwah, our God. This is why Zechariah 2, 1 to 2, it says, Then I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, what, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. Do you know why Yahuwah God asked this man to measure Jerusalem? Because Yahuwah God wants them to see that Jerusalem was in a miserable condition. When they look at it now, it's a pretty bad shape. Right? And so he tells them, okay, measure Jerusalem. 
what do you get? What is its width? What is its length? Okay. So after the measuring is done, what happens next? Three down to five. There was an angel who talked with me going out and another angel was coming out to meet him who said to him, run, speak to this young man saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I say, for I, says Yahuwah, will be a wall of fire all around her and I will be the glory in her midst. And so Yahuwah, tells this man, this unidentified man, to measure Jerusalem, right, to assess what they had. And when you look at Jerusalem back then, when the remnants returned, it was in bad condition. The Jerusalem and the temple itself, it was in bad shape. And so Yahuwah says, measure it. Look what you have now. What you have is not great. It's a small thing. But then Yahuwah has a promise. When all is said and done, Yahuwah gives a promise. He says that when... The promise has, will be fulfilled. Jerusalem will be so great. You, will, you, you, do not, you don't have room for a wall. The inhabitants in Jerusalem will be so numerous. The wall could not contain it. This is why Yahuwah God says, I will be the wall to protect it. You won't need a wall because it will be too many. In other words, Yahuwah God is promising prosperity to the remnant the remnant of the people of Israel after their captivity. And so this was a promise of restoration. And so they started out very small, right? It was a process of restoration. So when the Bible says start measuring, what does that mean? It means they're going to start rebuilding the temple. Before you build the temple, what do you do first? You do some measuring, right? That's what you do first. You don't build a temple. You do some measuring first. And so when it says measure Jerusalem, Yahuwah God is telling them we're going to start building the temple. We're going to start building Jerusalem. And so when we look at Revelation 11.1, 1, I was given the reed like a measuring rod and was told go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there. In other words, in Revelation 11, the reason why the instruction was given to measure the temple was to indicate that this work is at its beginning, okay? It's a small remnant that is beginning to rebuild or restore the spiritual temple. This is why the instruction was to measure. It's starting out in its work. It begins by counting the worshipers that are there. And so this is the start of the assembly of Yahushua. And so when we look at the clues, the temple of God in Revelation 11, 1, number one, it's a spiritual temple, not a physical temple. It's the ecclesia, the assembly. Number two, it's officially called by the name of Yahushua. Number three, it restores and proclaims the law and the prophets. And number four, it's a small remnant. That's in, that's in the beginning stages of the process of restoration. Hence the instruction to measure so that we can begin to build measuring comes first and then the building right now we are in the building stage because we have already done the measuring and so revelation 11 points to the assembly of yahusha the registration of the assembly of yahusha was the fulfillment of revelation chapter 11 and the verse is one what 
further proves that Revelation 11.1 1 pertains to the ecclesia in the latter parts of these last days. Revelation 11.2, this is what it says. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And so what Revelation 11.2 gives us here is a time frame. We know it. this uh, spiritual temple, this assembly, will be very few in number because it's starting out. It's just, we just barely passed the measuring stage. We are in the beginning parts of the building stage, right? And so it's small, but it also tells us what will soon happen next. What is that? Outside the temple, those who are occupied by Gentiles who do not know God, the Bible says, do not bother with them. Do not measure them. Focus instead on the assembly in the spiritual temple. That's the focus of our work. Why? What will eventually happen? The Bible says that the outer parts of the temple, in other words, the physical holy city, which is what city, by the way? Jerusalem, right? the physical temple, the physical holy city, it will be treaded underfoot for 42 months. It's interesting that 42 months is indicated there, okay? Not 1,260 days, which by the way, is the equivalent of 42 months, but 42 months specifically. Why? To show us what is gonna happen in those 42 months. This will take place after the established the uh, emergence of the assembly of Yahusha. What is to happen next? What is this 42 months all about? Revelation 13, 4 to 5. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for how long? 42 months and so the work of the assembly comes before the emergence of this beast who will come into power, empowered by the dragon. We know who the dragon is, right? And so what will he be able to do? He will be able to control Jerusalem, the holy city, for how long? For 42 months. That will be his headquarters, Jerusalem. This is why it's called Sodom and Egypt. It will be trampled upon by the heathens, the Gentiles who do not know God for 42 months or three and a half years. This is, this is about the, the tribulation. And so the assembly of Yahusha will come before the uh, tribulation comes. The assembly of Yahusha is already in formation prior to the coming of the beast, so we can expect the beast to come anytime. Perhaps he's already somewhere in the world today. We don't know, right? But he's going to come very soon. This is why Revelation 11.1 1 clearly points to the assembly of Yahusha in fulfillment. And so the beast is going to come soon. However, before the beast will come, what will Yahusha and Yahuwah do? Revelation 11.3. And I will give power to my two 
witnesses and they will prophesy 1260 days clothed in sackcloth and so the purpose of the two witnesses is to work to build up the temple the spiritual temple which is the assembly of yahusha that's the purpose of the two witnesses they will preach and they will prophesy well wait a minute these two witnesses are they two individual people yes they are two individual people that's what i believe of course i can be wrong but i believe they are two individual people the reason why i say that is because there are some there are some who say that the two witnesses in revelation 11 are not two individual people but two groups of people some suggest they represent the church or the ecclesia and israel okay however i believe that the witnesses mentioned in Revelation 11 are two individual people. And we'll go ahead and prove that. Why do I believe that the two witnesses in Revelation 11 are two individual people? Let's begin in Revelation 11 verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothing sackcloth. So the word witnesses there in Greek is the word martis, which means a witness it turns out the word martis or witness in the holy scriptures is used only to signify an individual not groups of people but individuals okay a witness a witness not a group of people okay so that's mark that's number one number one the term martis has always been used to refer to individuals and not groups what's number two Revelation 11, 7 to 10. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes and tongues and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not, only, and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another. Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So why do we believe that the two witnesses are two individual people? First of all, it says at the bottom part, right? It mentioned these two prophets. It didn't say two groups of people. It didn't say the church and Israel, right? Rather, it said these two prophets when it says prophets they are individuals so two individuals what else in verse 7 it says they will kill these two individual prophets after they finish their testimony and so if it represents the church and israel then does it mean all israel all the church are going to be killed that is highly unlikely right it doesn't fit the context of the passage so two more reasons number two they were specifically identified as two prophets number three the two prophets would be killed what else revelation 11 11 and 12 now after the three and a half days the breath of life from god entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them come up here and they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them why else do we believe 
that the two witnesses are two people, not two groups of people. That's because the two witnesses are not only going to die, they're going to be resurrected and also ascend to heaven. And so if that represents the church, if that represents Israel who are going to be saved, because there are those who are saying maybe they'll be raptured together. Well, that means that uh, everyone who's going to be raptured are going to come from the grave, right? Because they all have to die. I mean, if it represents the church, those who belong to Yahushua, then they have to all die together. If they're all dead together, they have to resurrect together, right? But Apostle Paul said, on that day of the Yahushua's appearing, some will be alive to meet him in the air, and some will be dead and will be resurrected. And so that would violate Thessalonians 4, 14 to 16. This is why, because they'll be resurrected and ascend, and everyone will see them, there can only be one conclusion, so that we do not have a contradiction. These are two individual people, right? And so the two prophets would be resurrected and ascended to heaven uh, together. This is why we believe Revelation 11, the two witnesses are two individual people. But one, one might say, doesn't it mention that they are the two olive trees? And this is what we find in Revelation 11, 4. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And so the argument is, the, it mentions, it clarifies to us the two witnesses. They, these are the two olive trees. And olive trees represent what? A group of people. Wait a minute. Do you know where that came from? Where it says these are two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Remember what I told you earlier? What's the key in understanding the work of the two witnesses and the assembly? What's the key? That will unlock that. What book is it? The book of Zechariah. And so we need to go to Zechariah because the book of Zechariah speaks about this. In fact, the two olive trees, the two lampstands standing before the Lord of the earth came from the book of Zechariah. And so what does Zechariah say about it? Zechariah 4, 1, 2, 3. Now the angel who talked with me came back and uh, wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there was a lampstand of solid gold, right? Remember the golden lampstand, right? With a bowl on top of it, and on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes in the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So here in the vision given to Zechariah, uh, Yahuwah God, the one angel, gives this vision of a lampstand, right? and two olive trees right by it. And so what does that represent? Zechariah 4, 11 to 14, then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the respect, the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the gold, golden oil drains? Then he answered and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. And so Zechariah, after receiving a vision, is clarifying the vision. What 
do these two olive trees mean? So he's focusing on the two olive trees. What do they mean, right? And what is the answer? These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. You notice the, the similarity in the phrases in Revelation 11:4, the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. So who are the two olive trees? The two anointed ones. Now, who are the two anointed ones referred to here in Zechariah? Well, we have to go back to the other um, vision that was given to Zechariah. Zechariah 3, 6 to 9, and the angel of Yahush, Yahuwah admonished Joshua. It turns out in the Hebrew, Joshua there is spelled Yahusha. Okay, so the angel of Yahuwah admonished Yahusha, saying, thus says uh, Yahuwah hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will keep my command, then you shall also, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. And I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Here, O Joshua, what is his function? The high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are wondrous sign. So the Bible says what he's speaking about concerning Joshua is also a sign of things to come. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. Who is that? Our king, Yahusha. This is why the name of Joshua, Yahusha, is the name to be given to the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stones are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscriptions, uh, says Yahuwah of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And so in this vision given to Joshua, he is being shown what his function will be in the immediate future and also what the vision holds in the future, okay? So it's about the present and also the future. In the present, what is the role of Joshua? Bible says he will become the high priest and serve in the house of God or the temple. This is about restoring the temple. Joshua is going to play a big role. However, it also points forward to the coming of the branch, right? And also the coming of the millennial kingdom. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day, the, uh, when he died, and also when he returns, one day being a thousand years or the millennium, millennial day. So it, it's, it's rich with meaning, this passage in Zechariah, and we're going to study this again in future studies because it's so rich in meaning and so filled with power. Okay, so that's one of the anointed ones. Who is the other anointed one? Zechariah 4, 8 to 9. Moreover, the word of Yahuwah came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that Yahuwah of hosts has sent me to you. And so the anointed ones mentioned in Zechariah that are likened to two olive trees that was fulfilled in Zerubbabel and who? Joshua, the high priest. Zerubbabel and Joshua. What is the role? What would be their purpose? In Haggai 1.1, in the second year of King Darius in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of Yahuwah came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, 
Thus says Yahuwah of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says Yahuwah. And so what we find here is the purpose of why Joshua and Zerubbabel would act as olive trees, right? And all olive trees. Why? Because they'll be instrumental in fulfilling the work of Yahuwah. What is that work? After the captivity, what is that work? To build what? The temple. Didn't we used to read this passage all the time? Haggai 1 verse 8. Now we know why, right? The purpose of Yahuwah God in, break, in uh, delivering them out of bondage from Babylon is to rebuild the temple because it will give him glory and he will take pleasure in it. The reason why Zerubbabel and Joshua were commissioned is because initially, right? Initially, in the first months of the rebuilding of the temple, when they first came out, the remnant, the remnant could only form the foundation of the temple. They could not complete the building of the temple. And so Yahuwah had to send two individuals for the purpose of completing the project to rebuild the temple of Yahuwah. Who were they? Zerubbabel and Joshua. This is why when we look at the witnesses of Revelation 11, there are two individual people. Because number five, the two witnesses are identified with Joshua and Zerubbabel. Also, in our past studies, the two witnesses are also identified with Moses and Elijah. So they are two individual peoples, and they do not represent two groups. For example, they do not represent the church and Israel, but two people who will work for the benefit of the assembly of Revelation chapter 11 and the verses 1. Well, why then, in Revelation 11, why are they likened to two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth? We know the two olive trees, well, those are the, the, two, wit, the uh, two witnesses, and also in Zechariah, they represent Joshua and Zerubbabel. Well, how about the lampstands? What, do that re what does that represent? Revelation 1.20, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, ecclesia, by the way, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches or ecclesia or assembly. When you look at it in the Greek, it really mentions seven ecclesias, right? Seven lampstands are the seven ecclesias or assemblies. And so the lampstand represents what? The assembly. And so when it says in Revelation 11, or these are two olive trees and two lampstands, it refers to the two witnesses and also the assemblies. Well, why does it say two assemblies? I don't know. Perhaps it could be because it refers to the two groups belonging to the assembly as a whole the Jews and the Gentiles, Hebrews and non-Hebrews. It could be that, okay? But we know the two olive trees are going to be working with the assembly represented by the lampstand because there's a relationship between the olive tree and the lampstand. This is why in Revelation 11:4 we answered the question, what's the connection between the assembly of Yahusha and the two witnesses? What is it? It's the connection between the olive tree and the lampstand. Well, what does that mean? What is this connection 
between the olive tree and the lampstand. Well, let's read Zechariah 11, 4, 11 to 14. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him that what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Then he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. So what's the relationship between the olive trees and the lampstand? First of all, uh, what is the purpose of a lampstand? It's to provide what? Provide light, right? But what powers the light? What gives it uh, energy to power the light? What is it? Oil. Without oil, you have no light. With little oil, you have little light. In Zechariah, in the immediate fulfillment, what is it? What does the lampstand lamp represent? Israel. Remember, Israel at this point was a small remnant in Jerusalem that has been ravaged, having no temple. And so the initial work of rebuilding the temple was not successful. They only had a small foundation. And so what did Yahuwah God do? He sent two witnesses, two anointed ones to expedite the building of the temple. Who are they? Zerubbabel and Joshua. What would be their role? Their role would be to serve as an olive tree to light up the lampstand, which is Israel. And so because of their work, people will see Israel again as the light of the world. That's the purpose of the lampstand. But you notice how the olive tree is going to provide that for the lampstand. It's in the highlighted part, it says the two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains. And so if you still remember a uh, division, there's one lamp, right? And has seven appendages. And each of, the, uh, each of these branches also has a bowl at the top and they're connected to the olive trees. And the olive tree has branches and it releases the oil from the branches and it's uh, taken to, it drains into uh, the lamp. And so it's able to give uh, light. So, the per so what Yahuwah God is telling us in Zechariah is if in the initial work of rebuilding the temple was not very successful because it was so small, right? He's telling us he's going to expedite that by pouring lots of oil into the lampstand in the form of the work of Zerubbabel and who? Joshua. And how is this work going to be done? What will empower the witnesses? What will empower the anointed ones? Zechariah 4, 6 to 7. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of Yahuwah to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says Yahuwah of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And so what will empower these anointed ones to carry out the work to produce oil for the lampstand? It is the power of the Holy Spirit, not the power of Zerubbabel, not the power of Joshua, not the power of armies, because they had no armies. They were just a remnant. They had no strength, right? Because they just came out of captivity. 
And so what is this power? Where will it come from? It is by Yahuwah's spirit. And so by Yahuwah's spirit, oil in the form of the works of Zerubbabel and Joshua will give light back to the lampstand of Israel because the temple is going to be rebuilt. And what did Yahuwah uh, say to Zerubbabel so that they will not be discouraged? In the book of Zechariah 4 verse 10, the people should not think that small beginnings are unimportant. They will be happy when they see Zerubbabel with tools building the temple. These are the seven eyes of Yahuwah, which look back and forth across the earth. Now it's in parentheses because this was the answer. The parentheses, the seven eyes of Yahuwah, that was the answer to the seven eyes. What are the seven eyes in the lampstand? Okay, but what we're asking now is about the encouragement that Yahuwah God gave to Zerubbabel and to Joshua. What is that? Do not be discouraged with small beginnings because when they came out of captivity, they were a small remnant. They started building, but they could not do it. They were immediately halted. It stopped. The project stopped. It was a small foundation that they were able to build. But here comes Zerubbabel. Here comes Joshua. Yahuwah God tells them, send this word to Zerubbabel. The people should not think that small beginnings are unimportant. What is important is what Yahuwah God is able to do with a small remnant, right? This is why, brothers and sisters, when you look at the parallels between Zechariah, the building of the temple, the two anointed ones, it's so similar to what we have today, is it not? What are we doing today? What are we doing today? We are rebuilding what? The spiritual temple, right? Are we big or are we small? We're small. That's why we should be inspired by this message of Yahuwah. Yahuwah God says the people should not think that small beginnings are unimportant. We're small, a very small remnant. However, Yahuwah God's not yet finished. Yahuwah God is still working on our behalf, and he will soon send the two witnesses. And what will they do? They will provide oil that will all the more cause the assembly of Yahusha to be completely rebuilt. And so what was Yahuwah's message to Joshua and Zerubbabel and who also received this promise of Yahuwah Abba. Let's read Haggai. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of Yahuwah their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as Yahuwah their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of Yahuwah. Do you notice how the work back then relates to the work today, right? There was Zerubbabel and Joshua, two witnesses, right? And there's also the remnant of the people. Who are they today? Who are they? The assembly of Yahusha in Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. And so what must we do? What is it that we have in common? We obey the voice of Yahuwah, our God. This is why we work together in obeying the voice of Yahuwah, our God and to fear and revere the presence of 
Yahuwah. And so what will Yahuwah God do in our hearts when we obey his voice? Let's read the book of Haggai again, 1, 13 and 14. And Haggai, uh, Yahuwah's messenger spoke, Yahuwah's message to the people saying, I am with you, says Yahuwah. So Yahuwah stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shelchiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of Yahuwah of hosts there, God. And so what is the promise? What did, what did Yahuwah God do in the hearts of those who were obedient to his voice? Just like Zerubbabel, just like Joshua, the remnant of God's people back then, they were steered to action. And so what did they do? What was the work that they had in common? To work on the house of Yahuwah. How does that translate today? What is the house of Yahuwah God? What is it? The spiritual temple. The assembly of Yahusha. And so we see the characters here, right? You have Zerubbabel, you have Joshua, and you have the remnant of the people. The remnant of the temple that Yahusha built, beginning with the work of regrafting Israel in 1914. Okay, so the work of the assembly and the two witnesses is to build up the spiritual temple of Yahuwah, which bears the name of Yahusha in preparation for the promised millennial reign. And so the work of the two witnesses and the work of the assembly is only one thing. What is that? Rebuild, continue to build up what? The temple of Yahuwah, which is the assembly of Yahusha. And so the two witnesses are not yet here, but they will come. And we will be in the work together. We will witness also, just like the two witnesses. What's the proof in Isaiah 43, 7 to 10? Bring everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Bring the people who are blind, but still have eyes. The people who are deaf, but still have ears. All nations have gathered together and people have assembled. Who among them could have revealed this? Who among them could have foretold this to us? They should bring their witnesses to prove that they were right. Let the people hear them. Then they will say that it is true. You, those who bear the name of Yahusha, you are my witnesses, declares Yahuwah. I have chosen you as my servant so that you can know and believe in me and understand that I am the one who did this. No God was formed before me and there will be none after me. And so what is the work of those who will come from the far east, the ends of the earth, the islands of the sea in Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, right? The Bible says eventually time will come when they'll be called by the name of Yahusha. And what is the work that they're going to do, which coincides with the work of the two witnesses? They will witness for Yahuwah. How so? They will speak and testify about Yahusha the Christ. And so this is what we need to do. As members of the assembly of Yahusha, let us point people to Yahusha. This is how we build up the assembly. We bring people to Yahusha. And then soon these two witnesses will also do that work. And our work will continue to grow. And when we look at the assembly of Yahusha today, when we count the number of members, for example, in our registry, is it small or big? It's small, right? And sometimes you might be discouraged. If it's only small, what did Yahuwah God say to Zechariah? Do not think 
that it is unimportant, right? Do not think that just because it's small, that Yahuwah God will not carry it out into its completion. And the promise that Yahuwah God made to Haggai, Zechariah, Zerubbabel, and Joshua is also the same promise that he will make to us. In Haggai chapter 2, 2 down to 4, as I read this passage, brethren, consider our situation today. Because when the two witnesses will come, what they will find is not a great assembly. It will be still small. It's a very small remnant. That's what they will find. But they will work with that. Yahuwah God will work with what is small. And this is what Yahuwah God said to the two witnesses of old, the two anointed ones. Haggai 2, 2 to 4. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelchiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? How do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says Yahuwah. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says Yahuwah. And work and work, for I am with you says Yahuwah of hosts. When we look at what we have today, the present condition of the assembly of Yahusha, it's small, right? Especially those who know how many people are with us. It's small. And when we look at this small remnant, maybe we might be tempted to say, this is nothing especially when we compare it to where we came from, right? I mean, when you look at where we came from, that's large, right? And this is what Yahuwah says, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? He's comparing the remnant during that time to what the condition was before, the days of Solomon, remember? The glorious state of the temple, the glorious state of the people of God. There's a big difference. And so Yahuwah God says, when you look at it now, you might say, oh, this is nothing. But you know what? Yahuwah God can do so much with nothing. Out of nothing, what did God do? He created all things. You think he can do something with a small remnant? Absolutely. This is why what is his instruction to all of us, which was his instruction to Joshua, Zerubbabel, and to the remnant. Yahuwah God says, be strong. You notice that three times he said, be strong, Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land, the remnant of Yahuwah's people. Be strong and work because I am with you, brothers and sisters. Now is not the time to rest. Now is the time to work. Yes, we have the Sabbath, right? When we work, where we stop work. But there is a time when we have to work and we have to be all out in our work. Because Yahuwah God says, I am with you. And what is the purpose of Yahuwah? He will rebuild the spiritual temple. Why? So that the physical temple can also be rebuilt during the millennial reign. Spiritual first and the physical. And eventually, when Yahuwah God is finished with his work, what shall we see? Let's read the final passage of our studies. Isaiah 62, verse, verses 1 to 2. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. 
and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of Yahuwah will name. You see, the assembly of Yahusha, it's small. A time will come when Yahusha, prior to the return of Yahusha, and especially upon the return of King Yahusha, when all will see the righteousness of Yahuwah, God's kingdom will go forth as brightness. We want to be a part of that work. And so let us do what we can. Let us not be discouraged when Yahuwah God says, you may be small. But what matters is not your smallness. What matters, what, what matters is not your power or your strength. What matters is the spirit of Yahuwah Abba. And that is what he has promised to give us so that we can continue with this work. So that we can work together with the two witnesses. So that we can receive the power of Yahuwah God's salvation. That is all. Let us stand, brothers and sisters, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba. Yes. Yahuwah Almighty Allahim. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us through the Holy Scriptures. Yes. Your plan and purposes for the assembly. Yes. Written long ago. Penned by the hands of the apostles and the prophets. Amen. You had us in your mind, in your thoughts. Yes. Everything has been laid out. Yes. Especially the one true foundation stone. Amen. Thank you for building us upon him. Yes. We are truly, truly blessed to be identified with his precious name. Amen. The name that you gave for your glory Amen. by which all can receive salvation. Amen. Thank you so much, loving Abba. Yes. We understand our work. Yes. We must keep working to build the spiritual temple. Yes. But when your beloved son arrives... He can establish the physical temple. Yes. And together we will work with him to please you that your kingdom might reign throughout the earth. Amen. Help us to work together with you yes. to obey your voice. Encourage us with your promise yes. and with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we know we are but a very small remnant. Yes. We do not boast of power or strength or wisdom. Yes. But if you allow us to boast, we boast in this. Yes. We know you, loving Abba. Yes. You are Yahuwah, who exercises loving kindness. Yes. We are recipients of that loving kindness. Yes. Because despite our imperfections, you remain abiding with us, walking with us. Yes. And we, are, we know firmly we will be able to accomplish this purpose Amen. while we wait for your prophecies to continue to unfold yes. help us to be dedicated to you yes. to revere you and to worship you yes. and to do our best to measure up to the standard you have given us yes. the standard of righteousness achieved by our mashiach yes. our loving yahusha the christ Amen. yahusha our loving and merciful king remember yes. your servants yes. we are at your service yes we pledge absolute obedience to you. Yes, oh Lord. Please use us as your instruments. Yes. Help us to be consecrated for the work. Yes. Cleanse us oh thoroughly, loving Mashiach, yes. that we may be your instruments always. Yes. Oh as we testify on your behalf, as we point people to you and bring people to you. 
Yes. Work with us, please. Help us to endure all things. Yes. That everything according to the prophecies will be fulfilled. Amen. Father, thank you so much for giving us encouragement. Yes. That even though we are small, we know that you are going to enlarge our tents. Yes, that you will make righteousness shine forth. Yes. Brightly loving Abba. As we proclaim your holy words. Amen. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. For we ask and beg everything. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.